Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome everyone to episode like 130 something. Maybe 140, I don't know. 130 something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, welcome back in. It's been a little bit of time since we've been here. Uh, So we'll just say, you know, some technical difficulties, I guess, is a good excuse. So I'm I'm Nick. And I'm Jim. And this is Jeff. Hi. Jeff Packer from the the infamous Packer Group. Yeah. The Packer Way. Yeah. So guys, today is Valentine's Day and I'm in big trouble. Like after this, I'll be heading over to CVS to pick up a card, whatever's and, left. Yeah, yeah. What you know, there may not be anything left. Right. Then yeah. I'll head to Walgreens. You know. Well, just ma- make a card. That's a good That's, idea. Yeah. You know what? Thoughtfulness. Yeah. I've I learned yesterday. Thoughtful gifts are probably more important than like a store bought Hallmark. Do you think you could help me? Uh, I mean, I'll I'll give it a shot. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Be, behind a card, I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm in trouble beyond that too. Mm. So, yeah, I planned ahead this year. I, I would, actually, would I might win. So, I might win. Okay, so today's oh. Valentine's Day, so this won't be out until at least tomorrow. Yeah. So you can share. I can share as much as you want. Yeah. 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 So I, I went. Um, I found this like really cool thing on Etsy where they uh, they make um, where my wife and I met, uh, which is kind oh, of a, a yeah. cool spot, oh, but it's like a map overview black and white map with a like a red heart where we met and uh and i put our it's got our names on it it's got where we met which was like snow mountain ranch out in colorado and the latitude longitude like mm. coordinates are on it and you, uh you it's, so it's deep. cool so <laughs> well done I yeah mean, yeah like, so that's... i just i like ordered it like a couple weeks ago and it's already here and i put it on the bed this morning oh, so that like when she somehow whenever she goes into the room hopefully she sees it and is like man i've got a cool husband <laughs> she's gonna be calling you right now like over and over again yeah. you got it yeah i do not deserve he's ignoring me jim what about you anything that you would yeah. like to share I, I can't I can't top that, but that I need to make a note of that <laughs> for the future. I, my my version of planning ahead was my wife's birthday was a few days ago. Yeah. So when I went for the birthday card, I thought far enough ahead to get the Valentine's Day card at the yeah. same time. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. And we have a we have a dog now, and I saw a section of cards that were from the dog, and I thought, well, that is perfect. Oh, sweet. We need right? that too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So she's not only getting a Valentine's from you, but she's also getting one from the dog. From the dog. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So like with it. the cards, you know, you don't want to be creeping too up, too far up there. Do you have a price limit on the CVS cards? Yeah, I stuck to the, the three ninety nine. That's, that's as high as I'm going. Yeah. I prefer the ninety nine cent ones, <laughs> yeah, I know, but, but I, I can't find them anymore. Yeah, because uh, inflation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another dollar. They're dollar dollar seven. <laughs> In yeah. 50 cents. Like, there's no dollar store anymore. Yeah. Right? It's yeah, like yeah. a dollar, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, well, thank you for sharing your Valentine's Day yeah. insights. Uh, we have Jeff here. Uh, he's been, he's a trusted friend and agent of the Peak family for yeah. many years now. And so, I uh, wanted to rope him in here. We talked about it for a long time, having him on the podcast, but 
this never worked until today. Yeah. So we're glad to have you here. Well, thanks. Um, so Jeff Packer of the Packer Group, do you guys make widgets? What do you do? Yeah, we uh, we 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 create uh, dreams. <laughs> we make dreams happen for people. So uh, you know, as I always tell people, you know, when it comes to real estate, bottom line is, is it's shelter is one of the basic needs, right? So like it is something that that is unique to. Uh, I mean, everybody needs it. So. Uh, so we uh, we try to do our best we can to walk people through the process of uh, buying and selling uh, real estate and uh, and uh, and investing in real estate as we've uh, talked before about. So yeah. And you sure. you've been in the business for some time and had a, a good level of success. So you have a huge team now. Like yeah. do you have like twenty people on your team? Yeah. I mean that's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. I've been fortunate and blessed and yeah, seventeen years doing this and. And uh, I think we've we figured a few things out along the way. I think we've got it. <laughs> that's how you define pretty good system. So you you created your system the Packer way. So what does that look like? Yeah. So for us, um, you know, Jim and I uh, kind of off air, we're we're talking a little bit about like some of the struggles that people have, and and so part of I think what makes us uniquely us is we've got a, a system and approach that that's kind of uh, at least what I think is very thoughtful. Uh, it's very strategic. And, uh, and so, um, unfortunately with real estate, sometimes like as, as, as silly as it may sound like it's like your biggest purchase of your life. I mean, 17 years of doing this, I've seen people just walk in, uh, spend 15 minutes in a house, make an offer and buy it. And then they're like, there's no return policies. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. so, so they're in this house and I've seen people who probably spend more time, uh, figuring out what they want to eat at. You know, a fine restaurant that they do in a house. Picture me, cut to me, uh, with, if we had better production value, right? <laughs> okay. You cut right to me pacing up and down the card aisle at CVS, trying to pick out a card for 15 minutes. Yeah. And this guy's making an offer on a house. I'll offer on a house in, in that amount of time. And so it, that's just always been a phenomenon that's been like kind of very interesting to me that like people will spend very little time. But but it goes to show the emotional aspect of it. Like that, that it is true when people walk into a house, you kind of know. Um, and we use the play on words like there's a ton of houses out there, but there's only one home and it's that one where you walk into and you just go, this is it, you know, and, and so people do like kind of know right away um, and, and things like that. And, and, and there are some people that will take more time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've, I've been in and showing that lasts for an hour, mm -hmm. but but it's just funny when you're talking about years of spending time in a place, um, most of those decisions are made in under an hour. Um, and and yeah. when you're dealing with. Uh, you know, upper end clients who mm -hmm. have a lot of confidence, right? Then they probably are, a, they know. Yeah, I mean, I, they but, trust their judgment, right? Yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm amazed at this, but one of my best friends, um, you know, uh, we, we spent one day up north looking at like six different properties. Um, and the first one I showed them, they, they bought and, uh, and they made that decision that day. We had an offer written, deal done. And it's like, you're talking like a, pretty expensive home and it was like you know very decisive mm -hmm. you know and um and so to your point like that's that can happen you know quite easily but i think it's easier in terms of like for us like when we prep a client appropriately like there's not everybody that can do that right like and be that decisive you know um back when the market was uh, a, a gazillion homes on the market 2008 2009 10 i mean it was like it wasn't uncommon for like buyers to just want to turn over every stump and, and like they were so slow to make a decision. And because if they waited 24 hours, 60 more homes would hit the market. <laughs> and that's that's criteria, criteria, right. right? Yeah. 
you know, so they always had these options where now, I mean, because the market is the way it is. It's opposite. It's opposite of that. And so as a result, like there's so much sense of urgency. It, it's almost like the, the second showing has disappeared, right? There's nobody going back for a second mm-hmm. look. You're, I mean, you, you're out there. You got to make that decision right then and there. And if you're not, you're going to miss out. So I have a client who is talking about getting into rentals and they have a, they're working with someone else. Yeah. A pre-existing relationship. Yep. And they emailed me like on the real estate website, like six different listings. And they said, hey, take a look. And then he said, never mind, they're all pending. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. And then I followed up a couple of weeks later and was like, hey, how's it going? And he said, you know, we can't even get to the showing on Saturday. Right. right. Yeah. Some of them are that way. I mean, a good example this weekend. So we listed a house as of coming soon on uh, Wednesday. Uh, showing started Friday. Mm-hmm. So Friday we, we start showing the property and then, um, um, I like we were up to like I don't know uh, six or seven showings that got booked within the first hour of it hitting the market, and I texted my clients. I said, "What do you think the over under is on uh, on uh, for your for showings for the weekend? Uh, you think we'll get over thirty or under 30? And so I set the line at thirty, and they were like, "Oh, I, I we have, we don't know, we don't know." I said, "I think it's going to be over 30. Mm-hmm. and uh, so when it hit over thirty, I sent them a text, and we were actually at like I think it was like thirty six, you know, mm-hmm. showings and. Uh, ended up having 15 offers, so it's like uh, almost 50% of the people walk through. Okay, so let's offer, let's think right? about this as a case study. Okay, so if we have, first of all, like 36 showings, do you have to move out? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, so they they, they stayed all weekend at um, their mom and dad's house. Okay, so, so they you just, just get out of there. They just got out of there. And then um, and then on Sunday night, you're feeling excited because you've got all these offers. Yeah. So then you do the the whole like last final and offer deal. Yeah. So th- this particular client didn't want to do like a highest and best multiple offer situation, um, which was a little bit unique. Not not everybody wants to do that. Um, so. You know, as a real estate agent, technically, by, by um, our uh, code of conduct, um, our code of ethics, we're supposed to present every offer as quickly as possible, right? So, um, so because they didn't really want to do a highest and best, like all weekend, every time I'm getting an offer, I'm calling them, yeah. going through the details real quick with them and things like that. Uh, sometimes I had multiple offers to go over with them because, you know, I, I, I had my own life going on sometimes, so it's like I can't call immediately, but within reason. So I'm calling and, and presenting these. And, and it just got to the point where um, I presented everything we had, you know, Saturday morning, which by that point I had like six or se- uh, six offers uh, Saturday morning. So, uh, um, uh, so they were toying with accepting one of them. And then um, uh, I, my kids play soccer, so I was, I was out playing, um, uh, watching them play soccer in their soccer games uh, this weekend. Uh, I called them back um, uh, by dinner time, and there was 12 offers by then. So, uh, and there was one that was even better. Mm-hmm. So they were like, well, we really like that. And I said, well, um, the deadline for that offer is like Sunday by five. And so they said, okay, well, let's just, let's let it go through Sunday, see what happens Sunday. And then we'll make a decision before the Super Bowl. And uh, so sure enough, like hour before the Super Bowl, I'm going over all the final offers. Like I said, it was like over 15. And, uh, and so they ended up taking one. And even after we accepted it, I had like four more come in more offers come in and I, I like and that's tough because then I'm telling the agents like hey I'm sorry you're just too late to the yeah. game you yeah. know but sometimes that happens so if you have all these competitive offers and yeah. what typically uh, you know rises to the top is it a cash offer is it a quicker to close yeah. is it no inspection is it appraisal guarantee yeah what are, what is in your opinion the most important whatever's most important to the client 
Good so, answer. So, wow, so, so the answer to what you just said rattled off those things. It, it's, it's all of the above. But at the end of the day, it's like I take time to really ask my clients what's most important to them. Um, I got some clients that are like super nervous mentally, and they, they need like more guarantees. Like, like they're, they're going to take a more conservative approach. So sometimes they'll okay. choose a lower offer that's cash yeah. because there's more guarantees with cash versus then having to go through the appraisal and the mortgage. And Maybe they've like been that. burned by a mortgage guy in the past. Well, correct. Or, or correct. A, a, a wicked uh, inspection. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so it just kind of depends on the client. Um, this particular client uh, needs to find a house. So we'll get to that mm -hmm. discussion in a minute. But they needed to buy a house. So we needed occupancy. So they were able to get 60 days of free occupancy after closing. So that was an important thing. Um, the offers that we accepted were over asking price. So to me, the important thing there is an appraisal guarantee. So we took an offer that had a, a, a pretty good appraisal guarantee um, and was over asking. And it just put them in a best possible uh, scenario to, to maximize um, the amount of equity that they'll get out of the house. And then I'd also allowed them the time that it's gonna take to then go find a home in the tough market that we're in right now to find a home. But it's, you know, every client's got a little bit unique, different needs. Mm -hmm. uh, so depending on those needs, that's the, the type of offer we're trying to generate. So I think Jim has a question about cashing out when prices are good, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that mm -hmm. you kind of just alluded to it, but we were chatting about that a little bit. I mean, it seems like everybody can sell their house immediately, right? Yeah. And that's a great environment for the seller, yeah. right? But then what? Then the flip side of that coin is now you become the buyer. Right. So what do you do? How do you navigate that market when... You can get out of your house easy, but right. you fall in line with in a situation like you just described, where you've got 30, 40, 50 showings at a house with multiple offers. How yeah. do you, you know, if you don't want to be that one that's greatly overpaying or something, right. you know, what are what are your options or what does that look like? Yeah, so I think like for me, and I, I was alluding to this off off air is just um, we've got to like really, um, it's kind of like like paper trading, right? Like you you wanna you you gotta you gotta. Per Tend you were a buyer six months ago mm -hmm. and see what the market was bearing and see if like one, your expectations mm -hmm. match reality, uh, but also shaping the expectation of like what, what really is a fair market price to pay? Because I think a lot of times uh, the assumption, and we've worked with buyers like this who are like, well, I can't stomach paying over asking price. Why would anybody pay over asking price? Mm -hmm. And I get that concern or that question, but if that's what the market bears, then really is asking price market value. No. Mm -hmm. If market price is actually, um, if I can show that the average list to sale ratio is 105% per, per se, well then market value is 5% over asking mm -hmm. price. So it's shaping that expectation with a buyer to say, you know, you may have to pay 5% over asking. So, well, so then we've got to reverse engineer this thing. And so a lot of times what I will do with a client who needs to buy and sell is we'll start with them as a pretend buyer first. And I'll say, okay, what's your criteria that is important to you? So we figure out what they want to buy and, and things like that. And then, um, and then we'll find out budget-wise where they you know, can be at or what's comfortable for them. And I'll then say, okay, here's all the homes that sold in the last six months or 90 days or something like that in your price point over this you know most recent period of time whatever we're looking at that met your criteria and then let's look through that stuff 
And I want you to pick out like five to 10 homes that you like. And if there isn't five to 10 homes that you like, then you're not going to be able to buy a home right now. Because you have and, to have a wide net. Yeah, well, not even necessarily a wide net, but you need to have realistic expectations. And so, you know, there's phrases that we've heard for years and years and years. Like, I've got a, I've got a champagne taste on a beer budget. I've got a <laughs> Cadillac taste on a Ford budget, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we have these sayings that people have. The, they always want more than what their money can afford. And so my job is to help shape those expectations first. What is it that you can really truly afford? Because if your lender says, hey, you can buy up to, let's say, $600,000, but most homes are selling 105% over asking, mm-hmm. you know, so 5% over asking on a $600,000 home is $30,000 above list price. Well, if you can only pay six hundred, dollars we shouldn't be looking yeah. at homes at six hundred. Mm-hmm. We should be looking at homes at five seventy, mm-hmm. right? So, so the idea behind this is we've got to make sure, first and foremost, let's shape these expectations. Let's see what sold in the last 90 days in the price point that you're looking based on your criteria. Is there stuff that you actually like? If so, then we can take the next step. The next step then is to say, how do we make this happen? Can you buy before you sell? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you do a bridge loan? Right, and so you know that we could—that's a whole different probably topic, but that's where you, d- you need to involve a mortgage company. Not every mortgage company can do them. Or make sure you have your home equity line of credit open. That is a good tool too. Yep, there's uh, uh, that's another option. If the bridge loan doesn't work, we we oftentimes look at a home equity line of credit for somebody where they can buy using that, you know, and then and then go that route. Um, there's. Um, uh, we're not in a market where we're probably doing something where we can like make contingent offers on continue, you know, contingent on uh, purchasing a home that's contingent on the sale. Um, and then working with agents who do a lot of listings, you know, there's a lot of agents out there that, that, that work with buyers, but there's not a lot of agents. There's a much, you know, lower percentage of agents because um, most sellers care about experience. Um, and so a lot of the experienced agents are the ones that are listing homes. And so, um, so case in point, I'm closing on a house today we never hit the market with. One of our buyers um, uh, was looking for something in particular. I was getting ready to list exactly what they were looking for. And they gave us an offer that was um, um, something that we felt was, was similar to what if we would have hit the general market and created a bidding war on it this would have been the type of offer we got. So they just made that offer Mm -hmm. so that they didn't have to compete with 50 other people for the house. They could just come, they just, it was just them. They had first dibs. And so those are what we would call like a pocket listing and things like that. And those scenarios, they're still tough. They're not, you know, um, uh, as cut and dry as I'm maybe making this one out to seem, but it just, it worked for these people. So they didn't have to get in a bidding war. They're getting the house based on what they wanted. The seller in this case happened to be me. Uh, I'm definitely getting what I wanted out of this whole deal, and it ended up working out for everybody in, in the whole scheme of things. So I'm closing on that one tomorrow, and um, and and it's a it's a fantastic win win win. But but when you're working with this is where what makes the difference between like an okay real estate agent uh, versus somebody who's well established has strate- strategic approaches and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is that this is where the new value of what we bring to the table is? Is that we're connected? We like actually um, uh, an agent that I'm really good friends with sent me an email over the weekend said, "Hey, this is a property I have coming up in Novi, six hundred thousand dollar home. Uh, do you have anybody on your team that's interested? I'm only opening it up to a couple of agents." And I said, um, 
yeah, I'll send it to my team. And uh, sure enough, one of my agents showed it, wrote an offer, and we're going to find out today if they end up getting it accepted. And so, so I those can... are strategic things. Yes. Right? I mean, I guess you call it a pocket listing. Yeah. So uh, Jeff and his, his team member, Ben, yeah, they found me what I would call the gem of the rental portfolio, which uh, is a fiveplex out in Pinckney, which yep. you know is just fantastic. So when yep. you're working with someone who's established, like you say, right. sometimes you see more than just what's on the MLS. Right. I want to ask you about supply and demand because yep. supply is so low um, and demand is so high. Uh, so as a result, the builders, right, they're just building everything they can, right? Yeah. So. Those prices are high though too, right? And like, you, yeah, it's a premium. It's, yeah. it's at a premium. Okay, yeah, so sure. because new is better than old, and yeah, and you're always going to pay more for new construction. Yeah, okay. you get the convenience of picking your own stuff. You're, it's all brand new. You don't have to worry about replacing stuff. You know, like because everything's going to have roofs thirty years, furnaces twenty years, AC. You know, so you don't have these big expenses down the road. So you're paying a premium for everything being brand new. Much like when you buy a new car, you're paying a premium, right? Um, and, and things like that. And so, you know, that's also one of the strategies when we're talking about buyers, like sometimes we've got to encourage buyers to look at new construction as an option and, because there is no supply. But as the buying agent, you can work with the, the, the builder. builder. Yeah, right. actually okay. I really recommend that because okay. we've got, you know, I've built personally, uh, others on my team have built, um, and, uh, and then we've worked with a ton of people who have uh, built over the years. And, um, and, and one thing I can say that's consistent is those who didn't have an agent working for their behalf, the build process usually was a lot stickier and a lot more uh, bumps along the way than those that had agents because the agents were able to help smooth those things out. Because in a lot of ways, the builders see us as their client because we're the ones who will keep bringing them uh, mm -hmm. people back. And so they want to keep us happy and know that our clients are happy because, um, you know, we're the ones who are going to continue to provide buyers for them in the future. You know, so there's uh, there is something like that, that that to consider when it comes to that stuff. But yeah, we can definitely help navigate that. Uh, you mentioned about supply and demand. Uh, I don't think I I remember a time where supply is uh, lower than it's it is now. Um, and I've seen every market now. You know, getting in in two thousand five and to where we're at today. Um, uh, I mean, I thought I thought twenty twenty was going to be probably our low pot spot as far as supply. Um, we're even worse off than where we were there. So, um, so that's to, to your point, like, um, uh, people actually ask me all the time, like, when's the best time to sell my home? And they think that it's going to be a seasonal answer. Mm -hmm. It's going to be spring or summer. And that's the, definitely the best time that your home looks good, but this isn't about homes looking good right now. Um, like I said, I was a home seller here in the month of January and, um, and I had, I, I mean, I, I'm going to end up selling it 40 grand more than I thought I would. Are you talking about your house? No, oh, okay. it's a, it's an investment property. Okay. Uh, I flipped, uh, flipped a house in uh, Canton, and uh, and and I thought I'd probably sell it for 320, and I'm selling it for 360. Nice. So, so the reality is, is that uh, um, that's the market conditions right now. Okay, so I want to ask you yeah. real quick about rentals. So we talk about it, you know, every week, um, but it's just kind of me talking. So yeah. Okay ask you Great. yes so you had this investment property it sounds like if it was that much it was probably like a triplex or something like that um the one that i just sold yeah no it's just single family home. oh okay okay yep so uh i like to do the multiple door ones yes so um so a rental um so 
I could ask you why did you sell. You can share whether yeah. you what whatever you want. But so people say, oh, you know, rentals are selling for so much. You know, I can get all my money out and have a great ROI. Yeah. But then I wonder. Well, did you invest in that for the appreciation or for the income? Right. Right. That's right. an important thing. And then the other part is, what are you going to do with that money now? Let's just say it was, it was paid off, right? And there's no right. financing, right? Now, you, if you were investing for income, you know it probably had a high single-digit ROI, yeah. right? And you can't really get anything like that income-wise in the in the markets anymore. Right. So, I look at it as a pension replacement, right? Right, because we don't have pensions, right. so the real estate is the pension, um, and and now we're we're yeah. selling it, right? right? So. I don't yeah. I, I don't get it. Yeah. So I think I mean I so I think there's two different strategies out there for people. And I think that uh, we're, we're we've never been busier with our investors right now who are buying stuff for rentals. So even though who the are price buyers. Is, who are buyers. Cuz the rent is cuz the rent is so high. Cuz the rent is yeah. so high. So the numbers still work. And, and and you and I have talked about this before is is it's it's a numbers game. You have got to make sure that the numbers work. And yeah. if you if you can get a cap rate that's that's, you know, double digits <laughs> go after it, yes right and those don't and, exist though, yeah right? they're hard they're hard to find but rents are so high yeah. right now so there are there are some really good options even though you might be paying a little bit higher for for price um, uh, I always talk to people there's there's multiple ways to invest in real estate right so there's the uh, what a lot of people think of is the, the landlord right like you're buying as many doors as you can you're putting people in them and now you've got the property management aspect and things like that and uh, and the goal is to cash flow those pay down the mortgages and 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 reallocate that money to buy more and more and more and more and build this portfolio love that strategy I think yeah. that's great there's pros and cons to it um, but that I think that's a fantastic strategy for me personally I'm a little bit different of an investor I fix and flip I don't want to, to hold long term and so I uh, buy uh, stuff that's run down. Uh, I put that money to work and then I reallocate it and move it into the next one and the next one and the next one. And the goal for me is to build uh, how, many, how many times can I do that in a year? With the same pile of money. With the same pile of money. <laughs> and so you're multiplying it, right? Like, so now all of a sudden I might be able to make 30 or 40% um, return on the same pile of money. Yeah. Depending on... The opportunities that are there so now granted I don't have as many tax protections on that and stuff like that so I'm still paying taxes and things but all that's you know figured but the goal so that's that's where my sweet spot is where I'm at as an investor right now and then I think there's the other aspect where I've helped the, you know clients do this where they they buy a, a vacation home that they love that they want to spend maybe one or two or three weeks a year out of and then turn it into a, a vacation rental uh, when they're not using it. And so I've seen that strategy pay off dividends where you are basically having those rentals pay down the mortgage and you have a free place to, to stay every year to enjoy on the lake or whatever. It might be in the mountains, you know, like a condo up uh, in, in Boyne or wherever, but but that you've got a place. And then again, the long-term play is that, that that mortgage gets paid down and you've got you know, uh, uh, by the time you retire, a paid for real estate, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Which, you know, fits in well with my, what I believe philosophy wise, I know it's what Peak believes philosophy wise, is you've got to have a diverse portfolio. And part of that is, if 
you can get a million dollars of paid for real estate between your primary residence and other investment properties or more that's paid off and free and clear by the time you retire, isn't that the sweet spot? Absolutely. And I've been doing some reading and some investigating. Even in downtown Plymouth, you can have an, a successful Airbnb. Yes. I'm like, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got actually a client right now that's bought a place in Livonia. And is, I mean, that, because that's what he could afford to do, could mm -hmm. not afford necessarily a place on water somewhere. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's running a successful Airbnb on a place in Livonia. So what's the draw, right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> I, you always get people like, uh, like, I took my team out to Iowa to study another top real estate team. And what do you think we did? We did not get hotel room. The first thing we did is like, let's, let's rent a house. And so we did. Mm -hmm. And so here you are like in, you know, like a small, you know, kind of college town area. We, you know, are renting this house for three of us guys that are out there doing a case study on this company and learning what we can. And it gave us a, the, the ample space we needed to be able to like, we all had a bedroom mm -hmm. and then we all had communal space. I mean, I, I would much rather do something like that for a, a, a work trip standpoint than to you know pay um, for three hotel rooms. That's a pretty good, pretty good point. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think you're seeing more and more of those types of situations popping up. Okay. So. Okay. Something so, else that you know, just to kind of add on that real quick, something else that goes against what most people think is we've seen we know clients who've had success renting a lake house through the winter. Yeah. Right. You oh yeah. It's not just a, it's not just a summer thing. Yeah. You know, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially like December because you get like the holidays, we've done that as a family. We've rented a place because we have all this family getting together. Well, my mm -hmm. parents' house isn't big enough for all of us. You know, like there's, I've got three other siblings. They're all married. They all have kids. You know, it's like, like it's just too much. That's so like daddy, would, daddy's home too. Right. Remember yes. That movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So it's that idea. We just rent a house and just, we have Christmas there and it's a blast and stuff okay. so mm -hmm. so to your point like I'm, I'm my clients a couple of my clients that have places up north they've had before where they've gotten like one month rentals yeah. instead of one oh. week rentals they've gotten one month rentals during the winter mm -hmm. and they're like this is great because like normally we wouldn't have that many people up there right. or if they did have people up there it would only be on like the weekends for like ski weekends or yeah. something so these are, again, there's different ways to invest into real estate. We didn't even get into like commercial or other options, syndic listing syndications, but there's all these options. And again, everybody has their, I, I guess, level of risk that they're willing to take, right? Like for me, um, my wife's, um, so my father-in-law, my wife's um, dad, owns a huge property management company and did rentals in Kansas for years. That's what he did, you know. And the headaches that I saw him do, I just, that to me is like, I'm not necessarily as interested in that. So with the fix and flip, I don't, I, my headaches are contractors. And because I have a long-standing relationship with these contractors, my headaches are pretty minimal. And, uh, and, and because I already know how to buy and sell properties and this stuff comes to my lap all the time, I mean, this property, was one where they needed to sell. I made them an offer to buy because when I went out there to talk to them about listing the home up, it just made sense for me to be the buyer. And uh, and they loved it. I loved it. It was a win-win. And like I said, I'm I'm making good money on it. And and it's just another way of investing. You know, that's yeah. there. Yeah. I have another question about buying and selling. Yeah. Um, so this is the Retire with Confidence podcast. And sometimes when people are retiring. 
right? They want to downsize, right? Yeah. Maybe, you know, the kids are just now getting out. Maybe um, they want to have less maintenance. Yeah. Maybe it's, uh, it's, maybe there's a big mortgage or something, but yeah. the house is worth enough now they can go pay cash, yeah. right? Do you work with people who are transitioning into retirement? And you know what might what kind of advice or what kind of wisdom could you share about that experience? Yeah, yeah so uh, I actually just had lunch at Carl's Cabin last week with a client who's doing that, and uh, they are uh, he's retiring um, in May, or I'm sorry, in March, and then April and May um, he, he had a, he's basically getting paid um, while he uh, takes some time off and things like that. And, uh, and then uh, he's officially done off the, the payroll, we'll say, in May, right? So then it's fixed income, right? And so he's thinking ahead, going, okay, we've got a small mortgage left on our primary home, and we need to downsize because, again, oftentimes what comes with those situations as well is like uh, preparation for like, what's my health going to be like mm-hmm. in retirement? You know, like, how are my knees okay? Are my ankles okay? Can I handle a house with a lot of stairs? First floor master. So we get a lot of these, like, condos, ranch condos, first floor master condos, laundry rooms on the first floor, like, all their major stuff being on that first floor, right? So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I think with with walking through that with people, I think the, the, the big pinch points oftentimes are not, they're, they're, they've lived in the house a lot of times for a number of years and maybe have, um, uh, a lot of stuff and besides having a lot of stuff they've also maybe not done as many cosmetic updates they've done really good mechanical updates but not a lot of uh, things so oftentimes with those clients I kind of feel like I've become um, somebody used as uh, connecting them with 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 um, a lot of resources to help them along the way but the ones that plan early are always the better ones off because it takes time to get rid of the stuff purge it, downsize, things like that, whether it's an estate sale, donations, um, giving things to siblings or their, their children, you know, whatever it is, they've got, they've got to figure out ways to like unload a lot of years of stuff Mm -hmm. that they've probably been attached to and and had a hard time getting rid of. And one spouse usually is like, just bring a dumpster and I'll throw it all away. And the other (laughs) one's like, no, this has so much meaning and, and, and emotions tied to it and stuff like that. So so that, that just takes time to marinate and allow to have happen. So we, we, we oftentimes have to talk through that with clients. We've got solutions around how to best handle that. But then, um, you know, again, a lot of times those types of people, if they do have their house paid off, uh, those are the perfect clients where we just say, let's go get a home equity line of credit. Yeah. Let's that, go, go buy your next place cash. You, then once you move and settle over to that home, then we can help how do we maximize your equity out of the home that you you just moved out of? Does it make sense to bring a painter in and a carpet pouring company in, uh, do some cosmetic updates and things like that? And new, that's new mulch. New mulch is always a big thing. It's like uh, a thousand yes. percent return on oh, your yeah. investment. Right? No, because it's curb appeal, yeah. and people don't realize that. Like painting the front door could be a huge thing that's like super simple that makes a big difference. So, but. That's also where I would say, you know, um, whether you have a relationship with a real estate agent or not, um, this is where interviewing us, even if you have a close friend that you may go with, like still interview us because they, we may give you some things to consider and think about. And if you end up using that person, great. But you may realize maybe that's not the best place for you to uh, work with. 
and maybe somebody else with a different approach is. And because one of the companies that I also own and that uh, provides a ton of service to our clients is uh, we have a professional staging and design company. And so like a lot of times people are like, yeah, we know we need to do these updates, but what if we pick paint colors that the buyer won't like? Or what if we pick a carpet choice? We know there's tons of stains all over this carpet, but what if, what if we pick the wrong carpet? And, and as like, don't worry about that. That's not your problem to worry about. I've got a professional stager and designer who has a design background and degree from Michigan State. She can come in and basically say, this is what we're picking and this is what would be the selections and she'll work with the contractors to make sure they know what to put in there. And then they don't want to sell anymore. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. Well, no, they usually fall in love with it. But at the end of the day, the reason to sell is always there. Yeah. They need to downsize and they need to do that. But they maximize their equity. And they're usually happier then. Because now all of a sudden, instead of maybe selling it at, let's say it's a house that would sell at 500 as is, they put 25000 into it to get it ready to sell. Now all of a sudden, they're maybe selling it for 550 or even higher. Because they've made it an extremely desirable home that's moving ready for the next generation to buy. And that's a big deal. Well, I mean, I, I witnessed all this stuff firsthand. Yep. About a year ago, we sold our, our place yep. and we're still in limbo. Yeah. Moving into the new place. <laughs> the joys of building. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, you know, we met with Jeff and we, he gave us the whole song and dance, right? Yeah. Which was very informative and. You know, I, I really didn't need it, but I was glad that we did it because I was going to, you know. Yeah, I understand anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that is an informative meeting for sure. And then we had um, the design yep. stage meeting and everything. And then the offers came in, right? Yeah. And that's when my anxiety level, right? And I, I'm pretty cool, yeah. right? Usually. Yeah. Like, it was horrible as a seller yeah. to be like, oh, are they, you know, you know, and I'm like, man, how can you do it? Right. Yeah, I yeah. told you on the phone, like, yeah. man, I don't know how you do this yeah. every day. Yeah. You literally do it every day. Every day. Like having the anxiety of, um, going through the offers and, you know, yep. which one to hook your saddle up to, as I use the phrase all the time, like, which one are you going to ride to the finish line? And, mm -hmm. and you got like, I mean, like my client this weekend, like over 15 options. And, yeah. and a couple of them, like you're, you were talking about splitting hairs, the differences between these offers. And it's like, how do you make that choice? And, and I have to sit there and advise them on what might be the best um, and, and things like that. But it's years of experience, yeah. uh, quite honestly. And, and you take the emotion out of it because you're looking definite. at it as a transaction, Correct. whereas Correct. this is our home. And, yep. Yep. You know, but, but you know, I don't, like, don't want to go through that process every year yeah. you know, as yeah. uh, selling my home. Yeah. So most people uh, do it, and then they say, "Hey, don't take this the wrong way, Jeff." But we don't want to talk to you for years. <laughs> right. to come. Yeah. I, go, I, I get it. So okay. here we are, a year later, yeah. doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. But yes, it was it was a good experience. I should say it was a great experience. Yeah. And you know, I would do it again. Right. Right. So you know, when you're when you're thinking about you know how a transaction went, you say, "Would I do it again?" Right, that's what you do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, or would I hire that person again? Kind right. Of deal, you know? and, and that's our hope because, like, like I always tell people, like I can't, I can't remove all the obstacles, but my goal is to minimize as best we can the stress that you're going to experience. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are more high strung than others, uh, and, and things like that, and so, so naturally, there's just um, going to be a level of stress that's there. But our job is to just, you know, one is is to uh, I use the phrase all the time, minim or maximize the probability of success. 
So all the strategies, that's, that's everything we do. Line. I think you, you guys must, use you that too. Heard yeah. it from us, yeah. Maybe I did. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you know subconsciously over all these years of listening to this hundred and thirty something podcast, right. you know. But but if we can maximize the probability of success uh, and minimize that stress, um, you know, I, it's funny how, how many times I've sat down with people, and they're like, uh, well, back in the two thousand eight, nine, ten, I'd sit down with people, and they would be like, man, you're the only one who's positive about like. Like and feel confident about selling our house. Like every agent we hire or interview has been like, like Ooh. somewhat depressed. And I said, well, it's a depressing time in real estate, you know, back in two thousand eight and nine. Um, but but now, you know, it's it's easy to be a bit more optimistic, obviously, because the market's so hot and strong. But the reality is is that um, I'm amazed at how much feedback we get where um, most agents just don't have a strategy, you know, or they don't, you know, it's kind of like like. Um, uh, I, I talk about this phrase that Zig Ziglar said all the time, all, all those years ago. But like his wife would cut the end of the ham off every time they cooked the ham, and 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 he's like, "Why do you cut the end of the ham off?" Ham off, and she's like, "Well, I I don't know. My mom always did it." So they ask her, you know, mom, like, "Why do you do it?" Well, I don't know, but my, my mom always did it. So they go to grandma, and grandma's like, "Well, I don't know why you guys do it, but but I did it because I had too small of a pan," <laughs> you know, and so. So I use that story from Zig Ziglar all those years ago that he used to say because I think there's a lot of people that is, we're in a copycat industry. And so a lot of people are out there doing things because they, they saw somebody else do it or whatever. Most of what we do has been really at the roots of what we do strategically been this is what we think is going to be best for our clients. Um, and we're not trying to just copycat. We're trying to lead the way and, and, and try new things, do new things. And as we do that, let other people copycat us. I have no problem with that, but I just, I don't want to be the one who's following. I want to be the one leading in this industry and, and in this, this approach and whatever market conditions we have. So we're going to have good markets. We're going to have bad markets. But the reality that I've learned, at least in 17 years of doing this, no matter what, people need to buy and sell homes. So it doesn't matter if interest rates start climbing, like that's the big threat right now. Um, guess what? They were they were at like 12, 14% in the 80s mm -hmm. and houses still sold. Mm -hmm. Actually, prices still went up during that time. So I think there's, um, you know, I think what, what, what a lot of people are concerned about right now is, well, is this a bubble? Is the market gonna tank? And, and things like that. And so m this is where I encourage people, just have a conversation with us because for a podcast, I mean, I could talk for half a day, several hours on all the variables that are at play right now in the current market conditions and why we're where we're at. You know, uh, supply chain issues with building, all that stuff. We could talk about interest rates. We could talk about the the the, uh, the volatility of the market and, and consumer confidence that that creates or doesn't create and things like that. And all these concerns, the the, the, the um, creation of new housing every year um, and the difference of how many houses get destroyed every year through natural disaster or just um, you know functional obsolescence and things like that and how that impacts everything. But at the end of the day, like we, we, like it takes a professional to sit down and help clients understand why now, probably buying now is gonna be better than buying three, four, five years from now. Right. And, um, and that's hard to say because I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know for sure, but all the indication, indicators that we're looking at, all those variables that I just mentioned, suggest that the market's gonna continue to go up. And you could say that if you're looking at any, many different types of assets, right? Like mm -hmm. you could use the, the market, the real estate market, stock market, among others, and think, right. well, you know, it might 
like the stock market, for instance, it might go down from here, but in five years, it'll probably be more. Hopefully. Not yeah, advice, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah, be yeah. higher. Yeah. Right? So if you think of it like that, I, I right. t- totally get your point. Right. Well, and how many, I mean, how many of us thought that the stock market would do what it did in 2020? Right? Like, not many people would have predicted the run that it went on after it dipped as low as it did. And, uh, and so, you know, likewise, like, I, I remember taking a call from a, a buyer lead who had just got off the phone with an agent and said, um, I want your opinion on whether you think we should buy now or, or wait six months. Because I just talked to an agent who said that in six months, the value is going to be 50% less. Hmm. And I said to that uh, buyer, I said, look, I don't know how, I don't know who you talk to and I don't know how long they've been in the industry, <laughs> but I lived through one of the worst economic recessions of our generation in, in 2008 and nine. And I said, at worst, we were losing 1% of value a month. And so if you're telling me that in six months, we're going to lose 50% of value, that would be like unfathomable because we saw 1% of value being lost at, at, when we were in, you know, this crazy you know, crash of the subprime market. Yeah, it's totally different. I mean, I can, you know? see, I can see the case of bullish prices in real estate. Based on supply and demand, supply and demand, inflation, yep. right? We're talking about real assets, which benefit the most from inflationary Correct. environment. Correct. And you know, with the we talked about this on your podcast, yep. on your video, uh, coffee, coffee, coffee combo, combo, yep. yes, yes. Uh, the fact that there's so many people in their 30s who are not homeowners, yeah, right. Yeah. So there's going to be another demand wave. Yeah. So it's not going to be all in one day. Right. But we're talking about like a decade of right. future d- demand. Yeah. You know? So I, I I don't. That's why I'm like, well, if you sell today because the price is high, you're yeah. going to do with the money, right? Right. Like as long as you have, have a plan answer. to reinvest it into something, yeah. whether yeah. it's real estate um, or something that you're at least going to get a really good return on. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, that's what you've got to figure out. Right. And, and for me, you know, if we look at what's going on in the market, I mean, there's a good chance you're going to continue to see 10 to 15% growth, maybe even more in real estate year over year. Um, you're, I don't know, you know, what your guys' forecast of the stock market is going to be over the next year, but it's probably not going to be that high. Uh, we've we've been on a good run. So yeah. that, like it, it's hard to make the case that it will continue to be above average. Like right. That. Yeah. Right. So, um, but with all that being said, you know, you just, yeah, it, it pays to have professionals. This is why you got to have somebody, you know, advising you appropriately on financial uh, advice, real estate advice, mortgage advice. I mean, this is why these professional services exist. Um, and, and that's always my concern because people kind of go, well, the market's so hot, I can sell my home on my own. Yeah, you could. I mean, monkeys literally could sell your home right now. But are they going to maximize the value of it? Are they going to help you be able to um, make more money, even even after expenses? You know, and and all of that is a again, it's a math formula. Looking at it and going, um, there is a way, a path forward where we're even paying a real estate agent, and everybody's like, oh, those commissions, blah blah blah. I can net you more money than if you were to do it on your own. And, I'm convinced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm listening. I'm watching. I like you. Right. You've got a nice watch. Right, pretty nice. How can I get not in touch? too nice, right? but nice enough? 
welcome home Detroit.com. Yes. So, yeah, our website's welcomehomedetroit.com. Uh, you can always email me at jeff at welcomehomedetroit.com. So I can uh, speak with you or a member yep. of your team yep. and uh, talk about if I'm looking to buy, if yep. I'm looking to invest, yep. if I'm looking to sell, yeah. right? We talked about pretty much all these different types of transactions. Yep, and we're all uniquely um, uh, equipped to be able to handle that. So whether you're looking at new construction, whether you're looking at investment properties, I've got two agents that that's pretty much all they do is work with our clients that are looking at investment properties. Um, you know, uh, we've got uh, agents that know how to handle land purchases and uh, and all the nuances that go with those. So whatever it is, and then obviously your typical, you know, uh, buy, sell transactions and things like that. But like I said, the unique thing about us is that we've got a strategy that'll help you unravel the confusion of what comes first? Do I buy first? Do I sell first? What makes sense for me? And there's not a one size fits all. There never has been. That's never what we're going to come at this uh, approach wise. You are uniquely you. Your situation's unique. We're going to sit down with you and say, how does this make sense for you? And go from there. And so we want the upcoming uh, Coffee Convos video to be the highest viewed one ever. Yes, so, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting released, dropped this week. Okay. So. so do you do we do most people access that through YouTube, through Facebook, through your website? Yeah, so you can go on to uh, all of our social media channels are at the Packer Group. Okay. So at the Packer Group, Packer is spelled not like the car that was made way back in the day, the Packard, uh, and it's not the Hewlett Packard. <laughs> I get that one a lot, but it's Packer like the football team that Aaron Rodgers plays for. So the PackerGroup.com. You should grow your hair out like him right now. Like. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, that would look atrocious with the. You, we talked about the stress of doing real estate. This is why yeah, I'm only 23 and I've got hair that looks like I'm 62. So you could probably have a big white beard. Oh, too. it'd be super white. I shaved this morning so it wouldn't come through. You know. So yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, we appreciate you yeah. stopping by to visit us today. Thanks for Sharing having me a lot on. Of great stuff. You guys are awesome. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Appreciate thanks. it. Until next time. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.